Well, out on the dusty plains in the early weeks of March in 1839, there was a, uh, or 1836, the cannons had finally silenced, and you could see the smoke off in the distance as a group of men huddled at the bottom of the Alamo, staring at one another, as the Colonel Travis had gone into his room, having received a, a, a letter from General Santa Ana. When he emerged from that room, he came out holding, according to legend, a, 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 a very long letter of surrender, which he stood and had gathered the men around and began to read. And as he read through this surrender, he watched the men's eyes and he saw how they were responding. And finally, he took it and he folded it up when he was done. And he drew his sword. As he drew out that sword, according to the legend, he drew a line all the way down through the middle of that crowd and then stood on one side and then said, Gentlemen, I have no reason to surrender. And he set his surrender down. He said, if you are with me then, I would ask you to cross this line and join my side. At that point, you could see the men pondering their future, pondering their families, pondering all the different people that surrounded them. One of those men was Davy Crockett. Another was Jim Bowie, two who didn't belong to Texas, who had come down just to help out with this fight and managed to get themselves into it. And now they had to make a decision. But one by one, as they considered that decision, man after man crossed that line, over that line, and came and joined Colonel Travis, except for one man who, who left and surrendered. And ultimately, we know that the Battle of the Alamo didn't turn out that well, but all of those men had come across that line and made that decision. Uh, the reason I bring this kind of story up is because visions are intense kind of things. They're as intense as a line drawn in the sand where everything seems to be put on the line, where everything seems to be laid out there. And for the last few weeks, we've been painting a vision of Olive Branch. We talked about in this series, Greater Than, the vision of our past, that 30 years ago, we were planted to be a church that was to reach the Corona Valley, and that what we've been called to do is to take that message to the 200,000 plus people that surround us right now that don't actually get access to the gospel on a weekly basis. We've been engaged in a conversation that we just, we're going to see within our church, we have this opportunity for a multi-site, that there's two communities living in this one church, and that we can bring the church to the community down there as well as continue here. And so we bring the community back into the community church of Olive Branch. At the same time, we talked also about the fact that we just, we only do two things. Let's see if you guys remember, what are they? We do what? Outreach and discipleship. And now that's our job. The gospel is going through you to someone else to do outreach and discipleship, to transform and lead people forward. And here's the case that come, it all comes down to. And this is what happens when, as a visionary. If you've painted your vision, you've talked about it, you launch it out there, it now comes into a precarious situation that you can be excited about or nervous about. Because all vision comes down to a personal decision. And that personal decision is yours. Every vision that's ever been given, whether it was the revolution with all of with George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and all these guys, yeah, we could look at all the heroes, we could look at all the leaders, but ultimately the revolution came down to personal decisions of men and women who are willing to step into that vision. That your vision for your own life that you started on this, this January and said, you know what, I'm going to get healthier. By the way, how's that going? You know, I'm going to read more books. I'm going to get more engaged. That always comes down to personal decisions of getting up, of getting into the gym, of eating the right food, of not taking in that thing. All vision comes down to a personal decision. And that personal decision here at Olive Branch is yours. This vision we've laid out has come down to your decision. 
And as we look at this and we consider this, this isn't new. This is how all vision works. In fact, Jesus' vision for his disciples worked very similarly. If you want to look at this, you can, you can join me. Take open your Bible. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 5. And it's in a very interesting occasion that Dr. Luke gives us in one of his, in his biography of Jesus as he's talking about the calling of the first disciples to, uh, that Jesus does. And so it begins in this way. If you've got a Bible, you can open it. Otherwise, you can take a look up on the screen. It'll be there too. And it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's the lake, the Sea of Galilee. That's its other name. It's a more Gentile name. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So they're done for the day. They're kind of hanging out. And he says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he's a little bit more perspective, and I can speak out, and Simon does this and finishes his preaching. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Now, this kind of irks Simon, because Simon's just looking at him like, what, are you kidding me? Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. In other words, what do you know? We didn't catch anything. We're not going to go back out there and do it again. And I'm sure Jesus gave him one of those looks, right? That like, are you going to test me, brother? Come on. You know, and immediately Simon's like, okay, fine, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And he turns around and says, let down the nets. And he just probably yells at all of his friends. And they throw down the nets and down they go and they're sinking. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signal to their partners in the other boat. They're going, this is crazy as they're pulling and yanking on these nets that the fish flopping and all the smell and the water splashing. And suddenly they, they signal their partners in the other boat, come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's overwhelmed by the power of the sign, and he's overwhelmed by his own attitude, and he just falls back and leans away. But everybody else is overwhelmed as well. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish so that, they, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, now watch this, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. This is a radical moment, a moment in which the vision has come. He says, this is the vision I have for you guys. You aren't just going to be fishermen. You're going to be cat fishing, fishers of men, as one of the, uh, one of the translations puts it. I, I'm calling you away from catching fish to ca catching men with the gospel. And yet here's, here's what's going on. These guys are staring at a pretty amazing event. They are staring at a pretty awesome situation. I mean, what greater fish story do you need as a fisherman? You think they always tell the lies, right? And here is tons of fish. You know what that equates to? When they pull all these fish on the ground, they start dumping this out, they're thinking, we're in the money, we're in the money. They're just so excited about all of this. Tons of money they've just pulled in. This is going to provide food for their family. It's going to provide tons and tons of stuff in the midst of what they've always hoped for, always dreamed about. Jesus says, but I got something different. When you have everything you could have asked for, when you have everything at your fingertips, he says, I want to point you in a different direction. And now they had a decision to make because every vision has a temptation with it. 
The temptation to look at what's right in front of you. They were tempted to stare at the fish, stare at the money, stare at the wealth, stare at the opportunity of all that was sitting on that now landing dock with all those fish sitting there. And they have this this fish here to stare at when Jesus is saying, I want you to go to a distant place that you've never heard of before. They had their families and they had Capernaum where they'd always lived. And he said, let's go somewhere where you've never known. They were comfortable in their home, comfortable in their environment, fishermen for generations to come follow me and wander about in places you've never seen to locations you'd never have gone. Come go with me on a greater vision. And this isn't an easy situation because every vision has obstacles so that you can receive a, a positive decision. In other words, you and I struggle with vision to go to, yeah, I want to follow that because of particular obstacles. And those obstacles aren't out of lack as much as we think they are. They're out of fullness like the fish on the ground. I mean, some of you guys, you're busy, right? You, you've got all kinds of things in your life. You've got your family. And so you got to kind of make sure you, you, you got your family with you. Maybe you've been working on your education. You got to keep that up. If you're in any kind of industry or field. For me, you've got work. My work revolves around theology, so I got a theology book up here. Then some of you guys, you know, you've got your car, you've got your house, you got those things, you need to make sure you got that. You definitely have your finances you need to worry about and, and the next series. Um, sorry. And uh, you, you've got your entertainments. You've got, obviously, your exercise. I don't know, this is the first thing I grabbed out of my house. Somebody said, that's a really 90s exercise. I'm like, thank you. And so... Uh, and then, of course, you've got your hobbies, and I like writing, so there we go. Life isn't about being just a little bit. Oh, I dropped my money. Um, it's about being full. You don't make a decision out of a lack. You make a decision out of a fullness. You see, when we follow Jesus, when he first calls to you, he says, come, follow me. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, drop your sin. And you're like, I'd love to drop this sin. It's destroying my life. It's killing my relationships. I'm so sick and tired of feeling addicted and broken. I'm after you, Jesus. We're happy to drop our sin as best as we can. But one day we'll come as you follow Jesus along on the journey. That one day he will ha- you will have all of this abundance of fish, all this abundance in your life. And he's going to ask you, are you willing to put down something good? For something greater? Are you willing to lay down from your life something that may be good for something that could be even greater? The disciples had that very situation. They were staring at it. And every vision gives us this opportunity to give up something good for something greater. When we talk about the olive branch vision, I'm not talking, to, I'm not going to ask you to do what the disciples are going to do, but what I'm asking you guys to do is make a decision. When they decided, here's what they did. They literally left everything and followed him. They left their dad in the boat they left, their, they left their boats on the dock. They left the fish sitting there. Everything, I must have been smelly as it spoiled in the sun or probably just picked up by the family. But they just left it there and they followed Jesus. Now that's when you follow Jesus. When we talk about a vision here at Olive Branch, we're not talking about leaving everything and come follow the Olive Branch vision. No, you've got lots of good things in your life. You've got all kinds of things. I'm not telling you to drop your job and come, come do the Olive Branch vision. What I'm asking you to do is consider what good you might set down or what good you might trade in or what good you might use for the sake of something greater. What good in your life is there, whether it's in your time or whether it's in your skills and your talents and your, and, and your, your giftings or whether it's in, in your treasures that you have and your resources, what, what are you willing to set aside for something greater? Because that's what vision calls you to do. They dropped everything and walked away from this thing. That wasn't easy. I mean, we may think, yeah, it was easy. He just gave them all the fish right there. It was simple. And I go, wait, time out. But he gave us all of our good things too, didn't he? 
Everything that we have is a gift from God after we've worked and we've done all of our stuff. God has blessed us with it, and he's saying, hey, can you take something that I've given you which is good for something that may be greater for the kingdom? The disciples even doubted whether they did that. They doubted whether they walked away from something good. In fact, we find this in the book of Mark. Many years later, as Mark is writing in his biography, the disciples are sitting there having a conversation with Jesus. He's just told them, listen, guys, it's really difficult for a rich person to go into heaven. Any rich people in here? Why don't you raise your hand real quick? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. In comparison to the rest of the world, are there any rich people in here? Obviously, right? Probably none of us would say, yeah, I'm, I'm as poor as the guy in the middle of Africa or South America. No, no obviously, we are the rich of the rich in the world. And what's interesting is that he, he, he says that the rich people, it's hardest for them. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, that'll make you insecure. And it made them insecure. These guys, I mean, we always think of the disciples as these poor guys. They were middle-class men who had large boats and had, um, entire, had servants and stuff who worked on those boats. These were middle-class guys. We know Peter's house. We found it archaeologically. It was large enough they held a church, church services in it and turned it into a church. So these people weren't just slups. These guys had financial gain in their world. And so what's going on is suddenly Jesus asked them, walk away from your financial gain to something that is good, to something that is greater. And they were like, wow, we, we, is this worth it? Because rich people don't go to heaven. How bad is it for the poor people? So Peter, looking for some assurance, asked Jesus this question. Peter began to say to him, see, we left everything and followed you. In other words, I, what, what, what about us? What's going to happen to us? And Jesus said this. He said, you may be insecure about the fact you gave up everything, but truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers, sisters and mothers, children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. Now, before you think I'm saying, hey, give me $1, I'll give you 10. Look, I'm not, that, that's for the television guys. That's not for me. That's not how it works. This isn't a health, wealth, gospel thing. This isn't prosperity stuff. What Jesus is saying is when you're willing to set aside a good for the sake of the kingdom of God, it multiplies the kingdom effect. That as these men walked away from their houses and their families, they wound up with brothers and sisters in Christ. They wound up with multiplication of people that they would call children in the faith and, and homes that they had found access to and help and aid. They found a general transformation through the gospel, including persecutions, difficulty, as they gave to a greater vision. The same is true in the, in the vision at Olive Branch. I believe that we're aligned with the kingdom of God vision, that if you're willing to set aside something, put a little bit aside and use it for the sake of the vision, God will multiply that for the sake of reaching the 200,000 plus people that surround us. God will multiply that in the effect of beginning to have us grow in discipleship and develop in our faith. But it requires that we really step back and remember that every vision comes down to a personal decision. And that personal decision is yours. Over this year, that personal decision will be yours. And it will be your decision to figure out what you're going to do with your time. Your decision to give your time for a greater future. Because there is one thing that kills vision in this culture. One word. You know what that word is? Busy. Isn't it true? Now, I'd love to help you out. I'm just too busy. 
Because we don't have an objection to the vision. We have an obstacle from our abundance, from all the stuff we're carrying, from our time. Our calendars are full. Our time is locked. You have a way of living that is the way that you do it. You have fields to get to and freeways to drive on. And you have family to hang out with. You have tons of things that are calling for our time. They had tons of things calling for their time too. They had an entire business. I mean, Peter was running a business, a fishing business that was good enough. You know, he's married. He had a wife. He had a sick mother-in-law in the house. We know that. And can you imagine that store, how that went down when he showed up and she got healed and they're all excited. He's like, yeah, I'm quitting the fishing business. I'm going with Jesus. Excuse me, Peter, is this another harebrained idea of yours? How do you think... James and John felt when they showed back up at home, sheepishly walking in the door to say hi to dad because they left dad in the boat with the hired hands to clean the nets because we're following Jesus. They had things to let go of. They had to choose. They had a lot going on in their life. They had enough time on their own. And the question that Jesus asked them was, you're looking at all this stuff, but are you willing to come follow me? Are you willing to take and invest your time in a greater thing? Are you willing to have a better vision? And that's really for us too. We need to ask this question, is there a better vision to spend my time on? To sit down with your calendar, to sit down with your daily uh, task list and ask yourself, am I spending my time in the best way? Or is there a better way that I could spend my time on? Paul actually kind of encourages this to his church in Ephesus. He says it this way, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. I mean, I don't know about you. I think all of us wake up, we want to be wise with our life, don't we? We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to waste our time. And so he says, let's be careful how we live our lives and live them wisely. Make the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Think about your time. Make the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. You see, you get a control of your calendar or something else will get control of it someone else will get control of it. Isn't it true? You ever noticed how you finally get a slot and it automatically gets filled up with something? Oftentimes it gets filled up with entertainment because the default position is to crash. The default position is to just get a little me time, to become selfish, to become self-centered, to get, and sometimes crashing is not bad. Don't get me wrong. You need that. You need rest. These are good things at times, but they can creep into bad things. They creep into laziness. They creep into sin. They creep into other aspects. Everything that we do creeps in toward the evil. If you don't keep watch of your time and ask yourself, is there a better way to spend this time for a better vision? I, one of the simplest ways to apply this is to think about those of you who have a commute. And if you have traffic to live in, you can let traffic be a default. And what happens when you're in default? You yell and you scream and you curse and you get mad and you get frustrated and you want to hit the horn. You want to scream and you want to do something because this is just not going the way it should be going. So I'm sick and tired of this because it's stressful. Commutes are difficult. They're long. Now, you can give the default of just being frustrated, or what if you were to seize that time and, and turn it for God? What if you were to take it and spend it toward a greater vision of outreach? Say, how in the world do you do outreach from your car? Easy. You roll down your window, and you knock on the guy next to you, and I'm just kidding, not that way. <sighs> you take a minute, and we've been talking about befriending your neighbor or, 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 bringing, or inviting your friends. Take your phone, turn it on, call one of those friends you're building your relationship with, and have a conversation with them. Build in the relationship. Pray and prepare for your coworker that you know you're connecting with and ask God's blessing over that moment. Or take that time and turn it towards discipleship. 
I mean, you could turn your car into a holy gymnasium. You're like, I don't have any time to have time to, to disciple anybody or grow. Who said you had to be present to disciple somebody all the time? What if it was a phone call to an accountability partner or to somebody you're discipling to take an opportunity while you're in the commute to talk to them about spiritual things? How'd your, how'd your time with God go today? What are you learning? You know, what can I pray for you for? Where are you struggling today? Or just pray with each other while you're there or while they're commuting. What if it's an opportunity to turn on a podcast and listen to a sermon, listen to a theological discussion, take in some information, begin to think and ponder, stop it, meditate, and then pray. You've just had what you can do at a desk you do in your car. You don't have to allow traffic or your, the commute to become something that's just a default frustration. It can become a place of intention. And when we do that, we, we answer that question, is there a better vision to spend my time on? The answer is absolutely yes. You know, somebody, and I know it'll multiply to the kingdom. I've, I've seen it do this already. There was a couple of years ago named Don and Ava who had joined our membership class. During our membership class, while they were being challenged about their own time with something called a small group, they were like, yeah, you know, I think we'll do this. And, and they signed up. They said, we'll start a small group. That's a big step. That's a scary step. They were going to take a couple hours out of their midweek, and they were going to start the small group. And they turned to a couple sitting at the table with them in the membership named Justin and Christina and said, hey, we want you guys to be in our group with us. Now, talk about a vision cast. Draw the line. You're coming or you're not. And Justin and Christina decided, yeah, I, I guess we will. They stepped over that line along with about four other couples that they had gathered and just Christina brought together too. And eventually this small group grew to the place where eventually Don and Ava moved out, of, moved out of California. But that small group grew into a couple small groups, which has now developed into several others because Don and Ava were willing to make that decision. And Justin and Christina were willing to make that kind of, hey, I could spend my time a little differently. It created a new habit for their family and their life in which they're intentionally growing every week with a group of others because they had made one simple decision toward a vision of discipleship. Every vision comes down to personal decisions. And a personal decision will include time, but it will also include your skills, your passions, your gifts, and it's your decision to give those to a greater future. It's your decision to give up your skills, your gifts, and your passions towards something greater, some further thing that you can't see. Look, the, did you realize God gave you a skill? He gave you gifts. He gave you passions. I mean, Peter, later on in his life, after seeing what the church could do, he actually said that each has received a gift. Use it to the service of one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Hey, you have a gift. God wants you to use your giftedness in the church. And yet here again, the objection or the obstacle is not out of a lack, not that you don't have a gift. It's out of an abundance. You see somebody else's gift who's similar to yours and you think, they, they, they got that better than me. They're a better artist than me. They're a better communicator than me. They're better at playing that guitar than I am. They're better at administrating than I am. I doubt any administrator is envious of another person's administration. That may be true. If you are, let me know. Confess. Anyway, so the option is for people to sit down and go, my gift's not as good as theirs. No, stop. You've been given a gift. And if you notice, he says, you've received a gift. Use it to serve one another. This is the opportunity that everyone here in the hearing of this sermon if you are a Christian, has a gift, has a passion, has a talent, has an opportunity to use it that everyone can contribute. 
And that's the second objection. People go, yeah, 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 but you have everybody you need. You can, I mean, look, there's plenty of greeters. Coffee shows up, donuts are available, children are watched, babies are powdered, teenagers are, are blessed. Well, this, you're good. Let me just put it this way. I, I believe that God has given every person to the church that they're in at the time they're there, okay? And that means if you're not using your gift, the church needs you because God brought you here. That they're, the lack of your using your gift is some aspect of the church that God intended to be working and it's not when you're not there. That's how valuable he makes you for all of us. That he has given you something to contribute. He's given you something to do. In fact, what I find is that objection often falls flat because they just go, we'll find space. And now, granted, sometimes we'll forget to call and do all this stuff. We'll do our best to get in contact with you. But look, the point is that God has given you something and he's asking you a simple question and he's challenging you to use your gift. This is what Paul says. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace he's given us, let's use them. God didn't save you to put you on the side and watch the game, as we said. He wants you in the game, participating where he has for you. You're not just to sit back because all of our gifts, all of our skills, all of our talents are going to be used for some vision. Some of you are using them for the vision of your workplace. And you're pressing the vision of your workplace forward to make more money, to build bigger buildings, to, to care and nurse, or to train up children. And, and, and these are good things. And I, you should use them for the full kingdom of God where God's put you and do your best and be the best representative you can in your vocation. But these professional aspects, oftentimes I hear a lot of Christians simply say, I do this at work, I don't really want to do that at church. And I go, oh, it crushes me. Because, man, if I, was, I, would, I would want to see the professionalism of what's done in the church be the equality of somebody who doesn't even care about, the, care about moving the kingdom of God forward like some of our bosses. You think about their vision is, for, is a good thing in some ways, but the vision of the church is to expand the kingdom of God, and we're going like, that's a great profession, but I don't want to do it for God here. And I just go, wow, we're missing so many opportunities and so many aspects and so many things because really the challenge is, is there a better vision you can use your gifts for? Use your organization on the field for your kids, but one day your kids are gone. Can you use your gifts of organization in the church? Look, we need your gifts of organization in the church because most of us just aren't that organized, just to be honest. It can get messy without the organized people. It can be all vision and no activity. Or it can be all doing stuff and nothing's going in a direction. The danger is that we need each other. We need to connect in with the gift and the vision that God has given to you. And you say, Greg, even if I gave my little bit, it really wouldn't work. That, it just wouldn't be that much, man. It wouldn't move the ball much. No, no, you don't understand. When you use your gifts, they grow and they get stronger and it doesn't matter anyway. We just ask you to do your best. That's, what, that's how Peter ends it. He says, now that you got this gift, use it to serve others, do it for the glory of God, and whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, as one who serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In other words, give it your best and do it for God like it is God's power through you, and he will multiply the effect. He will take your gift and make it greater. He'll take your skills from work and empower them to something bigger. He'll take that website and make it whatever it needs to be. He'll make you from an engineer to a builder of men. He'll take you from a school teacher to the trainer in the word of God to a discipler 
And this is the whole picture that you and I need to remember, that we have a greater vision we can use our gifts for. And what we offer you guys is out at the tables today is, is um, we have all the different positions, not all of them, but we have skill sets and, and stuff out there for just volunteering in various ministries. And I want to encourage you guys to go check out that table. If you're not in a ministry, if you're not connected somewhere, go look. There's lots of ways that we can connect and we can get you able to use whatever your gift is. Because all vision ultimately comes down again to personal decision. And that personal decision will require, yep, time, skills, talents, but also it talks about treasure. Your decision to give your treasure for a greater future is going to be your decision. You go, oh, here we go. Pastor talking about money, right? Uh, I don't like talking about money. I think the only pastors I know that like talking about money are televangelists, and, and, they, and that I don't even know if I can call them pastors necessarily all the time. Our decision with our treasure is hard because money and vision are tied. Everywhere you go, money and vision is tied together. Do you realize that? Because money is a representation of your passions, your skill base, and what you've done, and that you're being remunerated for. It's your time, and you're taking that, and it's like a stack of your own effort and time sitting right there if it was in cash. This is what this looks like. And so what happens is we pray oftentimes for whatever we're putting our money into. I mean, there is more prayer happening in this, on Wall Street than in a lot of churches. Let's just be honest especially in this last year. Whee! But when you look at it, these disciples have loaded their money into a lot of things. They loaded it into boats, into servants, into homes, into their families. And here was the fish. All the money they could ask for, all the return on their investment is right there. And it is that moment Jesus said, hey, listen, maybe there's something they could spend your, your treasure on that's greater. There's something you can turn and come follow after me. And there's a treasure aspect here that changes and moves us because all vision is connected to finances. And here's why. This, this move away from fish off to Jesus, that wasn't easy for them either. Because Jesus put it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money, where you put your finances, your heart is welded to that. It's why we, we pray and we think about the stock market. We, when we put our money over in that place, we, we focus on those things because the abundance is the problem. My money's all called for. I don't know about yours, but man, I look at my, I look at my budget and my money goes everywhere it should go. And even the money I don't have goes somewhere sometimes, right? I spend, I spend a Capital One's money for me, you know, that, that's easy. And we need to be careful because if we don't know where our money's going, it'll go somewhere. We don't have control over that. We're not able to answer that question. Is there some better vision I could spend my money, my treasure on? And that's really the question we land on. Is there a better vision that you can spend your treasure on? Because we all spend our money on somebody's vision. Stop and think about it. I mean, I put a little bit of money into Apple's vision. How about you? And it wasn't because I like Apple's vision. It's because I like the vision Apple gave me of me holding their phone or you like it what Samsung did because you holding your phone or, or what that car would get you because you're going to get to work in this way or the status symbol that it enables you. We don't buy and purchase items because we like the thing. We like it for a vision that it casts for us. Just watch commercials. They are not just telling you the technical details of what this thing is. They're painting vision. They want you to see you with this and what it means for you to have this. And when you send your money over, you're purchasing vision. You aren't purchasing objects. 
It's no wonder for many of us, we have a lot of good things that we love and we're glad we bought them. And a lot of us also have a large thing called a, um, called, oh, sto- called a storage unit filled with regret. <laughs> Americans across the United States have purchased lots of regret and they put it away. You've got things in your garage. You're like, this was going to make me healthy and strong and buff like Iron Man. It's going to be, oh no, no, it just sits there collecting dust, waiting for the next garage sale. Because the bottom line is we can buy into vision that's false and our money can go somewhere to something that's not greater. It often goes to things that are less. And the question is, when you look at your budget, when you sit down and you have a conversation about, hey, is there some way that we can invest so we can see the kingdom of God multiply and grow? Is there a better vision? And look, I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money. That is not my job. Did you know that? See, the scriptures say this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. I can give you an opportunity to give. I can give you a vision to give towards, but you have to make a decision in your heart. And he says, don't give reluctantly nor under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not here to tell you, you must tithe. You must give 10% of your income. God demands it. I think that would be compulsion. Forcing you to give. And very clearly, that's not what this text says. But at the same time, if you're sitting there going, I really don't want to give this money, this dumb vision. Don't do that either. That's reluctantly. You don't sit and grumble about giving your money to God money. No. You know what happens when you've, I I remember, I was a kid once, man. I would go to Toys R Us after saving up my money, and I would get down there. It would be this big wall of video games. Oh, and I would just feel the, the, the little jitters, right? You're just like, yeah, yeah. You're just like grinning. You pull that little slip and you take it up to the front and you'd hand it over and then you'd give your money and you know, I just couldn't help get home. Hey man, giving my money didn't hurt. Giving my money was a joyful, exciting experience because I had a vision of what this video game was going to take me to and where we were going to go and what that book was going to do. I was so pumped. When you got your iPhone, you ripped it open that beautiful white cover and you pull this thing off, you turn it on going, pass, man, I want to use this thing. I can't wait. This is so exciting. Drive my car down the street. Check out what I got. You know, this whole situation. Because when you take money, you put it in a vision, you don't do it reluctantly. You do it excitedly. You do it empowered, knowing that I've got the vision I wanted. That's what I hope for you guys, that when you see a vision of reaching 200,000 people, you see the vision of reaching your neighbor, your loved one, your brother, your sister, maybe seeing a church in your community and a church that is spreading in two communities. When you hear this vision, you go, man, I want to get involved in that. I want to help see my neighbors become my friends, my friends become family. I want to see everybody begin to develop to where they know Jesus and passionately follow him. If that's you, then you're giving, not out of reluctance. Giving because there's a better vision to put your treasure in. Not out of compulsion. Not out of these things. And in fact, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I, I, I actually love the idea of the multi-site because one of the cheapest ways churches have discovered we can actually open up a venue, reach people faster. They're the fastest growing kinds of things out, out of all the churches and they're the cheapest. It's only about $240,000 to open a venue. And then you're like, just about? Well, let me put it this way. You boil that down, that's about eight bucks a person every week in our church. I mean, you're like, I can't give eight bucks, man. You, I, I'm overwhelmed. I, well, that, when you go home, again, this is not about me telling you what to spend your money on. 
It's about you making a decision that you can be joyfully behind because some of you are at different income levels than others. And when it comes to that, this ladder is what we use to help people. We do this in our membership class. We talk about this, but it really starts with this. If you've never given before, it's really step up on that first rung. Say, I'm going to take it up. I'm going to try it for the first time. We just ask, hey, when you make a decision, try for 90 days and see what God does. But take that first step. Maybe it's that you need to start giving, you give occasionally. You know, most people give occasionally. They're like, I like that sermon. Boop, tip, you know. Sort of like tipping the pastor instead of like. But we're, really the goal is to get to that percentage level where you're giving consistently. And this is done by setting that up so you don't forget it. You can do it electronically. So you're like, look, I know it's going out, it, what is going out exactly every month. And maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 5 But you do a percentage because incomes go up and down and they wave all over the place. You can just go, this is what I got. God didn't put a number. Or maybe you get to that point where you're like, I'm going to do 10%. I'm going to do tithing. And we don't think it's a necessary thing. We just think it's a, it's a good starting place. That a lot of us say, you know what? God gave us his son, Jesus. He poured everything out. I'm not, what's, what's this? I can live off 90. I can, live, I can save. I can, I can give. I can save. And I can live off the rest. I can do this. And some, I know there are people in this room, you're giving above and beyond that. You're giving extravagantly. You're sacrificing. Because you believe in this place, you believe in the vision. And for those of you who are doing that, I just want to say thank you. Because you're willing to go above and beyond where most Americans don't even give anything. And if you're a guest here and you're like a, not a Christian, you're like, why in the world would anybody give money to a church? Because the Spirit of God works in people to make them generous because he's a generous God. This church gives a lot of money every year. And they do it willingly, not because they have to, Nobody gets kicked out because they don't tithe. Nobody gets thrown off the membership rolls because they don't give. We just encourage, we paint a vision, and if God's calling you to that, you step into it. You say, but Greg, I don't have a whole lot to give. Doesn't matter what level I get to, I don't have a whole, don't forget the widow. That Jesus pointed out, there was a small coin, smallest in the realm, she drops it in, and she goes, ah, that, her right there, all these Pharisees have given all this money, says, no, she just gave the most. Because she gave everything. The, everything that she had with that small coin. That one was trusting God. That's a beautiful picture. And look, it's out of our poverty that we gather together to make a big difference. It's not one person, it's all of us together. This is what that uh, Paul is talking about in the book of Corinthians when he's writing to the church. He had just offered them the vision of helping out, out up in Jerusalem where there was massive famine. And so they gave to this vision. He said, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and, the, and their extreme poverty, and this isn't a time period of general poverty, but their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. In other words, they were willing to give out of their poverty and that all of them giving together created a wealth of generosity. And it's not a matter that you can give a little or a lot. It's a matter of you give what you should give and what God's called you to give and what you know you can give. And then when you gather it, we can do big things with it. But it down, comes down to that simple question. Is, there, is this a vision that you, a better vision, that you feel like you can put your treasure towards? Or your time? Or your talents? Because all vision comes down to a personal decision. And the question is, what really holds you back? When we paint out the vision, we look at it, what really holds you back? 
Is it a lack of information? You just need a little bit more detail? Awesome. Ask the questions. We're going to be forming some groups. We'll be talking about those answering questions and building, uh, getting you guys on board to where we're headed and what's going to be, what it's going to be looking like over the next few years. And so look for those and get in there. And once you've got your answers, man, if you're ready, jump on. Maybe you don't go to this church. Well, praise God you go somewhere. And the church you go to, know their vision and get behind it because it comes down to your personal decision. Put your time, your talent, your treasure behind that one. Go for it. Maybe you don't believe in this vision. You're like, peace, dude, don't want it. I don't need to go reaching around. That's okay. I just advise you go find somewhere you do. Get connected to the vision that challenges you, that you get excited about, and that you can put it in there and go for it. It may not be here. We need every church in Corona to have the right people in them so that they can start being motivated, the right talents, the right time, the right treasure, so that the churches around us can move together because it's going to take more than us to reach this valley. But we're going to do our part. Amen? And so maybe you're on it. Maybe this vision is something that you're excited about. Maybe it's something that you can get engaged with. And if, you're in, if you believe and trust, as I do, that God has given us this vision to reach this valley because we were planted to do so, if you're into this as I am where we trust that God has given us this opportunity with two communities in one location that can be one church in two locations so that we can see the gospel spread faster, if you know the gospels come to you to go through you so we can do outreach and discipleship, we can begin to see an impact in this culture, if that's you and you're with me in this, then let's make a decision. Let's cross the line. And that's where we land with you today. It comes down to your personal decision. Let's pray. Father, as I said, there is no more freaky, scary, or exciting moment for any visionary than when the line is drawn, when the vision is landed in the laps of the very people it's been cast to. God, and no matter what it is and how we respond, we thank you that you are the God of glory, that you are the God who overcomes all of our obstacles and all of our objections for the sake that your kingdom will continue to move regardless of whether um, Olive Branch is doing it right or Crossroads is doing it right or Living Truth is doing it right or whatever. We just ask for your blessing on all the churches that the visions might be full, that they might be clear and they might be driven forward. And God, that we as a people might not choose our comforts and the fish that are in front of us, but that we might have the opportunity to focus to the future of where you're calling us, to the unknown, to the beyond, that you'd be glorified and your gospel would grow and the multiplication of brothers and sisters of homes and communities might be known. And God, that you would be known greatly. We ask that you would move in our hearts now, convict us where we need to be convicted and empower us in this vision where we need to. In Jesus' name, amen.